0: hello people of the way blessings in jesus if you have your bible please open up to first samuel chapter 17 the book of first samuel chapter 17 we continue our study through the old testament now remember what happened last week where we see how david he's anointed the spirit of the lord came upon him and where you know he's with king saul but then you know how david would play his harp when the distressing spirit came upon saul and so here we are in chapter 17 and we see another time of conflict Battle. It's a time to fight. And so we begin our study here in First Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered the, their armies together to battle, and were gathered together at Sukkot, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sukkot and Azekah in Ephes Damim, in verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. So, you know, this battle array in the Hebrew translates as like a battle formation or like a battle order. And, you know, we're going to see how it's like a, 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 like a, their formation It's kind of like a, 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 like a line of the warriors. And so here we are, we're at the precipice of battle. And we're seeing the landscape with these two camps. And we see in verse three, the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And we see in verse four, and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now Goliath, he's huge. Goliath, he's a straight up behemoth. You know, and there are certain studies where, you know, you see Goliath and he ranges between nine and ten feet tall. Some studies have him at at six to seven feet tall, but most texts indicate him to be about nine feet, six inches tall. So he's a big guy. He's he's huge, a formidable opponent now as champion we see here in verse 4 as champion. What he was, he was like their prized fighter. You know, kind of like the old school gang fights, you know, the old school gang fights. You know, nowadays the kids, they pull out their guns and stuff. But back in the day, they used to duke it out. And, you know, each side usually had their prized fighters. And for the Philistines here in chapter 17, Goliath, he was their guy. He was their champion. He was their prized fighter. Now, Israel, They had prize fighters as well, but you know, we're not talking nine footers. And so let's look what we see about Goliath here in verse five. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And you know, so his coat weighing in in modern times, you know, poundage, it's about 125 pounds. So, you know, if, if you were able to get near. Goliath, this behemoth, if you're able to get near him and hit him with the sword, I mean, you know, you'd have to penetrate the bronze. I mean, let alone the muscle and, you know, uh, but you'd have to penetrate bronze. And so he's a huge guy. In verse six, and he had a bronze and, and he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him. So he's a formidable opponent, big fella. And look what he says here in verse eight. Remember, we're at the precipice of battle. In verse eight, then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come, why have you come out to line up for battle? So remember, Israel, they're ready for war. Israel, straight up, they're ready for war and they line up in formation and they're expecting war. They're ready for war. But then what happens? The nine-footer comes out. You know, nine-foot plus. The nine-footer comes out. Now, I'm going to say something here, but I'm going to be very cautious, cautious with how it's said. And, you know, sometimes before a fight, what is seen does have the ability to alter expectations. You know, whether or not it actually does, you know, that's a different matter. But sometimes, you know, before a fight, what you see, it it can alter expectations. Where you know that's what's happening with Israel here, where they're straight up ready for war. You know they're they're, they're they, get, they get they have the formation, battle formation. It's a time of war. Okay, let's handle business. And then all of a sudden, the nine footer comes out. Whoa, you know. Think about what's going on in their mind. You know they're ready for war, ready for war. They're lined up, they're formed, everything, and they're ready. Nine footer comes out, Goliath comes out, and then. All of a sudden, I think the gears in their mind start to turn, you know, here's this nine footer. Oh, you know, in some some, you know, when you look at some studies, they have met, you know, 10 feet. You know, we just say nine footer is like a little average, but still as average nine footer, that's big. And so, you know, think about what's going on in their mind. You know, are there more of these guys? Is this the big one and the others? Maybe maybe they're eight footers, you know? And, you know, it's just like, you know, the Canaanites with Moses. I mean, if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember our study in Numbers? Where, you know, you know, go and fight the Canaanites. And they're like, no, these guys are huge. We're not going to fight the Canaanites. And then, you know, they were afraid because these guys are giants. These guys are humongous. And it's kind of a similar situation here where we see with Moses where Israel was afraid of the Canaanites. And here Israel is afraid. And that, you know, in the case of Israel, within the days of Moses, that was when the 11-day journey turned into 40 years, remember? And that wasn't their, their first encounter with the Canaanites. And so this nine-footer here in 1 Samuel chapter 17 of the Philistines, a champion of war, their prized fighter, big guy, look what he says here. He says in verse 8, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you, the servants of Saul, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Now, Remember what in our earlier chapters we see about King Saul. He was a tall guy and, you know, the most handsome, you know, he he was the most handsome man in all Israel. But in a brawl, let me tell you something, in a brawl, in a fight, when it's time to get down, when it's time to handle business, you know, handsome, that gets you nothing. That gets you nothing. I mean, you know, if you're not a good fighter, you're going to turn ugly because you're going to get cuts on your face. You're going to have big, you know, big lumps on your face. And so handsome gets nothing. And King Saul, he was tall, but, you know, he's no nine-footer. He's no ten-footer. And so this nine-footer, Goliath, he challenges Israel. And so he continues with this challenge in verse 9. If he is able to, you know, he says, you know, choose a man for yourselves in verse 8 and and let him come to me. In in verse 9, if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants but if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. You see? In verse 10, and the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Remember, this nine-footer, a formidable formidable opponent. And he's calling out Israel, give me a man. He's calling them out straight up. He's calling them out. Now, Israel, they have their prize fighters. They have their warriors. But, you know, we're not talking the nine-footers. We're not talking the ten-footers. We're not talking seven-footers. Goliath was a giant. He was huge. In verse 11, when Saul and all Israel, remember, Saul is king. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid, greatly afraid, completely understandable, understandable. I mean, if a nine footer calls you out, straight up. If a nine footer calls you out, what are you gonna do? You see, it's completely understandable. They're dismayed and greatly afraid. And you know, this isn't, you know, this nine footer, he's not a nine foot librarian, you know, no offense to librarians. This is a nine foot fighter. And you know, that, you know, give or take, you know, it could be, could be 10 feet, you know, but this nine footer, he's a fighter. He's a warrior. He's a champion prized fighter of the philistines and israel he's afraid. israel is afraid straight up they're afraid they're scared understandable completely understandable so this is what's happening in the battle area And I hesitate to say the battle area because there's no fighting. I mean, I hesitate to say the battlefield because it's still a field. There's no battle. You know, we could say the field, you know, the valley because they have the mountain. You know, one mountain Israel, one mountain Philistines. And then you have, you know, the champion calling them out. Hey, you know, choose a man. Send him to me. Choose a man. And if he kills me, hey, we're going to serve you. And if you kill, if we, if I kill him, then hey, you're going to be our servants. And so it's a it's a battlefield, it's a battle area, but I hesitate to say that because there's no fighting, there's no battle. It's just a field, you see, the valley. But then meanwhile, look what happens here. In verse 11, we see Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistines and they were dismayed and greatly afraid. But then meanwhile, we get a little picture of somebody else. We get a little picture of another location in verse 12. Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of bethlehem judah the, the Ephrathite of bethlehem judah very interesting whose name was jesse and who had eight sons and the man was old advanced in years in the days of saul very interesting so you know we see the dad of david papa papa and it's jesse he has eight sons Remember last week, you know, where, you know, he kind of omitted David. And yet the Lord said to Samuel, the prophet, no, David is the one. Remember, you know, hey, we're going to sacrifice, you know, bring your sons. And then it's like, okay, here's all the sons. But then I said, well, are you sure this is everybody? Well, no, there's this little, My, my youngest, he's over there. You know, he's tending the flock, you know. And so you see how, you know, Papa, Jesse, he omitted David. And it's the Lord who said to Samuel, "No, this is him. This is the guy. This is, this is anoint him. This is David, anoint him, the youngest." And so Jesse, David's dad, he's old, he's old, and we see in verse thirteen the three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to battle. The names of the three sons who went to battle were. Eliab, the firstborn, next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shema. In verse 14, David was the youngest. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. So now, what we see here in these couple verses here, a little family dynamic. A little family dynamic. We see a little bit last week too in chapter 16. But we see this dynamic of this family and we see in verse 15, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now remember where we left off last week in chapter 16, how David, you know, he would tend the flock of his dad, Jesse, but then David would also play the harp for King Saul. And so David here in, you know, here in these verses in chapter 17, David, you know, he he returns to his aging dad. His dad is old and he returns to his aging dad to feed the sheep. And I love this so much. Taking care of the sheep. Taking care of the sheep. Remember last week? Tending the flock. And now he wants to feed the flock. I like David. And so now we see this family dynamic and we see David. But then meanwhile, we go back to the battlefield again. And again, you know, I hesitate to say that because, you know, we're at the precipice of battle. We got the field. We got the valley where battle is supposed to be happening, but it's not happening. And so let's go back to the battlefield. And we see here in verse 16, and the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, 40 days, morning and evening, straight up morning and evening. Morning and evening for forty days. I wonder what this nine-footer started to think. This champion of the Philistines. I wonder what what he started to think about in his mind. What were what were the thoughts that were in his mind? You know, does Israel not have a fighter? I mean, you know, this is the people of the God that destroyed Egypt, and they can't even present a fighter. Just is there is not is there not one fighter who's capable of you know opposing me in combat? I wonder what was going on in the nine footers mind just the emboldening of Israel's opponents now as New Covenant believers as New Covenant believers there's something that you and me we're in the know about we're in the know and what is that God does not count slack as some count slackness we're in the know The Lord revealed it to Peter and Peter wrote it and we read it and Peter told us, the Lord told us, and we know that God is not slack as some count slackness. So the nine footer, big guy, birdie guy, champion of war, the nine footer, he wants to mock, the Philistines want to mock, day one, okay, day two, okay, go ahead, day three, okay, but 40 days later, let's see what happens. And so now we kind of we're getting like you know if we were have like a, a a a like a uh a. a, a. Uh, uh, like a drone, you know, and you go to like you know one scene. You're at the battlefield. Next scene, you're with David. Next one scene, you're in the battlefield. So that's kind of like what's happening here in chapter 17. You know, we're at the battlefield, and then boom, we're with David and and his dad Jesse. And then boom, we're at the battlefield again, where you know the Philistines drew near and presented himself 40 days, uh, uh, and, and uh morning and evening in verse 16. And so now we we're like like the 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 uh uh the drone footage. Now we go back to David and and Jesse. And in verse 17, Then Jesse said to, said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp, and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back news of them. Now, remember, back in the day, there's no social media, no texting, no messaging, no video chats. And so, Papa, straight up, you know, David, go check on your brothers and bring back news of them. And so, you know, the dad wants to know, hey, are my sons okay? You know, David, go check on your brothers. Go check it out. And so now we get back to the battlefield, you know, back, back to the drone. You know, we're following David. We go back, you know, to the battlefield. Well, not following David just yet. And so now we go back to the battlefield and we see in verse 19. Now Saul and they and the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah. Fighting with the Philistines. Now, in the Hebrew, it says fighting with the Philistines, but in the Hebrew, it's to battle against the Philistines. And they're there at the battlefield and they're there to battle, but the fighting hasn't begun. And so now it's, you know, the drone, you know, goes back to David. And so in verse 20, so David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp. As the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. So remember, morning and evening, 40 days at the battlefield. Which, you know, it's the battlefield, but there's no, no battle yet. which just the field. And so they line up in battle formation and even shouting. We see in verse 20 where, you know, the army was going out to the to the fight and shouting for the battle. But, you know, where's the fighting? I mean, they're shouting, but like, where's the fighting? And we know that Israel, they're dismayed and greatly afraid. Because, you know, the nine footer comes out it could be 10 footer, but the nine footer comes out. He's a big guy and saying, hey, you know, let's do this. You know, send me your guy. And in verse 21 for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. Now, remember the two mountains and a valley in between. One mountain has Israel, the other mountain has the Philistines and the, the valley in between. And we've been going from, from, from the battlefield to David in the drone, you know, we've seen drone footage in the battlefield and then, you know, go to David and his dad and then, you know, battlefield and back to David and his dad. And we're getting a picture of what's been happening, but now these two scenes, they converge. David, he's sent by Jesse to bring word back about his sons. Remember, no, no, no texting, you know, his dad, you know, can't get on a video chat and be like, Hey sons, how, how, how are you doing? How are you faring in the battlefield? No, you know, we're so spoiled nowadays with modern technology, back in the day they didn't have that they had runners back then you know hey david go check on the war go check on your brothers and so david he nears the battlefield with the items that his dad told him to bring you know to his sons and to the captain but before getting to that forward edge before arriving there to the forward edge what does David do? He stops off at supply. (laughs) I mean, for my veteran brothers and sisters, you know, supply in the rear with the gear, but you know, supply very necessary, you know, gear is required for battle. And so the supply guys in the rear with the gear, you know, and so David, he stops off at supply verse 22 and David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper. You see, gotta love the supply guys. And so now David, now he goes to the forward edge, you know, from supply. And then we see in verse 22 that David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Verse 23. Then as he talked with them. There was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name. Remember the two mountains. Israel was on one side. The Philistines were on the other side. And then the nine-footer emerges. He comes out from the Philistine side, you know, egging, him on, egging on Israel. Hey, send me your guy. Let's do this. Send me your guy. Let's let's handle business. You know, who is who, who, who are you going to send to me? Big guy. This has been going on for days and weeks. Morning and evening, the nine-footer. We see in verse 23, Goliath by name coming up from the armies of the Philistines and he spoke according to the same words. According to the same words. Remember verse 10? I defy the armies. In verse 10, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Days and days and weeks and weeks, morning and evening. But this particular day, not like those days it's not like those days we see in verse 23 that he spoke according to the same words so david heard them david heard them in verse 24 and all the men of israel when they saw the men fled from him and were dreadfully afraid now i wonder what david was expecting to see on the battlefield remember he was with his dad he was tending the flock. He was with his dad. His dad's an old man. And so he was taking care of the flock. But I wonder, <clears throat> I wonder what David was, you know, what did he expect to see? Remember when he was with his dad, you know, there's a war going on. It's been weeks, you know, and if David and his dad, you know, in their minds, you know, how's the war going? Or maybe even conversing between themselves, you know, between the two, dad and, and son, you know, I wonder how the war is going, you know, is it hope everybody's okay? And then Jesse, the dad, hey, you know, I want to know. So he says, you know, David, go check it out. Go check, go check things out. And so, you know, just wondering, what was David expecting to see? And so David arrives. And Israel, the warriors, Israel is terrified. Israel is terrified. We see it in verse 25. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? And they're speaking of the nine-footer. They're all afraid of him. Goliath. They're all afraid of Goliath. He's a big guy, Goliath. He's not like, you know, just a tall guy. No, he's a, he's a strong I mean to have all that gear. No, that's some heavy stuff. This is a big guy, a champion of the Philistines. Remember, not a librarian. No offense to librarians out there. I love you. But at the same time, this is a fighter. This is a warrior. And they're afraid. And so in verse 25, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. And so we see even the king offers perks. King Saul he offers perks. Look at these perks. Look at the perks that he's offered to the one who kills Goliath, the nine-footer. Look at the look at the perks. You know, tax exemption? That's pretty enticing. Pretty enticing. You know, no taxes. And still no takers. Great riches. Again. No takers. His daughter now, you know, no offense to his daughter, but, you know, at this particular juncture, we don't know much about her. You know, is she like her dad? You know, pass. Is she like Jonathan? You know? Even still, no takers. All these things that the king has offered. Perks. Hey, you kill, you take out Goliath? Hey, you're going to, you know, no taxes. You get my daughter and, you know, you get riches. And I don't, you know, no offense to her, the, 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 the daughter. I don't know what she's like, but if she's like her pops, hey, you know, Pass. But if she's like Jonathan, you know, that's a different story. Remember, these are the fighters of Israel. that are talking the men of Israel from verse 25. And these are the warriors that are talking, except they're afraid. They look at the nine footer and they're afraid. And then David shows up from supply <laughs> and David shows up from supply. And then we see verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, "Now." Here we are in verse 26 that David spoke to the man who stood by him. And But if we just pause here for a moment, if we just pause here for a moment, and I got to say, this is hilarious. This is, I mean, let's put things in perspective. You know, we're at the battlefield. We're at the battlefield. I mean, like the precipice of war. I mean, I hesitate to say battlefield because, yes, there's the field, there's the valley, but there's no fighting just yet. There's no fighting. No, there's no there's no battle just yet. But here we are at the battlefield. And we have the formation of the warriors of Israel and the formation on the other mountain of the formation of the warriors of the Philistines. And then, you know, you know, the Philistines on the other mountain. And then, you know, the Goliath comes out, the behemoth comes out, the nine-footer comes out. And so the warriors of Israel, the men are talking. The warriors, they're talking. You know, hey, you go get him. You know, you're, you're, you're a big guy. You know, you're not no nine footer, but you're a big guy. Go get him. You can be rich and married and tax free and still no takers. And I don't know if David was even noticed at this point. I doubt it. And I love it so much because all of a sudden a voice is heard among the men. A voice is heard among the warriors of Israel. And they're all afraid and they're all scared of the nine-footer, the behemoth, Goliath. And so David in verse 26 spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this, this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, thus far, thus far, who has spoken like this? Who has spoken like this thus far? Who in the world has spoken like this? I mean, you know, just like in the earlier verses, how, you know, there's an expectation of, you know, warfare. People have an idea of, okay, well, you know, I'm going to win this fight. We're going to win this fight. And then all of a sudden the, the the brawlers come out and all of a sudden people, their their mind just shifts like, okay, maybe we're not going to win. Put things in perspective here. Israel was afraid. And the king, he makes these offers. Hey, you take them out, you're tax free. You, you know, you're going to have riches and you get my daughter. Again, you know, no offense to the daughter. We don't know too much about her at this particular point. But thus far, who has spoken like this? Where David, young David. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? The uncircumcised that speaks and defies the armies of the living God. I mean thus far, who's even spoken like this? Any warrior? Captains? The king, King Saul? Who has spoken like this? And then we see it in verse 27. And the people answered him in this manner saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills them. For for the man who kills him. Now, this is kind of confirming in verse 25, you know, the riches, the wife, and tax-free, like confirmation. And David was, you know, what shall be done for the man? Kind of like, you know, he's not, this isn't like, you know, like David's interested. Just kind of asking the question, like, what? Like, is this really the offer? And so we see in verse 28. Now, Eliab, his oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men. Now, picture Eliab here at this moment, you know, at this particular moment, hearing the inquiring voice and then thinking like, hey, you know what? I know that voice. I know that voice. That voice sounds awfully familiar. Like, what? Is that my little brother? Is that? Remember, these are the warriors of Israel. We're on the forward edge of the, of the battlefield here. And Eliab, is that my little brother? I love this so much. I love this so much because it's awkward to to see. It's like, it's awkward to see David there. Remember, David is young, really young. And it's like, it's so awkward that he's even there because here you have the warriors of Israel. And I wonder what David was expecting to see when he was on his way to the battlefield makes a little stuff, you know, little, little, little stop off at the supply, you know, drops off his gear, drops off the stuff that his dad told him to bring. And he gets to the forward edge and like, what's happening? David hears the, the nine footer speak. Like what, what, what is happening here? 40 days. I thought, you know, maybe the, the, maybe this battle would be over by now, 40 days. Maybe it's, you know, I thought it'd be over in a week, maybe two weeks, maybe, you know, a couple days. I thought it'd be over, but 40 days later and It's still going on. And, you know, that's kind of an understatement because nothing's happening. Israel is like incapacitated from war. They're afraid. And so Eliab, you know, David, like, what? what, What's this offer? The king is offering this? What is that? And then you picture Eliab like, what? You know, I know that voice. Turns his head like, is that my little brother? And then we see in verse 28 that Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? He says this to David, young David, his little brother. He says, I know your pride and the the insolence of your heart. For you have come down to to, to see the battle. Look what Eliab is saying here. He's angry. His anger was aroused against his little brother, against David. I know your pride, he says, and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Number one, Jesse, his dad, he's the one who said, David, go to the battle. Number two, Eliab, older brother, bigger brother, he's afraid. Number three, Eliab, he's been afraid for 40 days. He's not afraid, you know, just this one time. No, he's been afraid for 40 days. And then number four. Since since Eliab is afraid and cannot discern What are we to think of his opinions? Straight up, what are we to think of his opinions? We're Eliab older brother bigger brother. He says I know your pride and your insolence of heart But God knows the heart of man And God chose David, and David was anointed. Remember last week? David was anointed, not Eliab. I mean, is there a little jealousy going on? I don't know. The text doesn't say, but I wouldn't be surprised. Because even Samuel the prophet says, oh, you know, surely it's Eliab. Surely it's the firstborn. But then the Lord says, hey, don't look like that. Don't see like that. I don't see like that. I look at the heart, Samuel. Look like me. See things how I see things, Samuel. And Samuel, okay, Lord. And that's when, you know, all, all the all the sons of Jesse were like a lineup. All the sons of Jesse and then, you know, Samuel the prophet. You know, the, Jesse, are you sure this is everybody? Are you certain this is everybody? And even David's own dad. Well, I got another son, the youngest. You know, my youngest boy, you see that little figure way over there in the distance? You know, tending the flock? Yeah, that's my youngest. And then Samuel, the prophet says, hey, bring him over here, call for him. We're not going to do this. We're not going to remember. They were going to sacrifice and have a meal. And Samuel, the prophet says, hey, we're not going to do that until he's here. And then the Lord says, hey, there he is. That's him. That's who I choose. And so verse 29 and David, younger brother, younger brother, David, little David, younger brother says, what have I done now? What have I done now? Is, is there not a cause And I love this so much. It's such a little brother. Such a little brother. And I love it. You know, what did I do? What did I do? Because, you know, the older brother, you know, the the, the older brother and, you know, in terms of um, inheritance, you know, it would go from Jesse and then the firstborn, you know, older brother. So there was a lot in terms of inheritance. And so... I don't know if Eliab, you know, the firstborn, I don't know if he had the expectation, well, you know, it's going to be me. You know, it's going to be me, you know. Samuel the prophet, he's going to come and, you know, he's going to anoint the, he's going to anoint one of us. But, you know, I'm firstborn. It's going to be me. I wonder. I just wonder. It's not in the text, but I just wonder. Because look what he says in, in, in verse 28 when Eliab says to his little brother, I know your pride and your insolence of heart. But we don't see that in David. We have, thus far, we have not seen that in David. We've seen something so beautiful in David. And then David, in verse 29, What did I do? What have I done now? Is there not cause? And in verse 30, Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. So David now, he's wondering if this is true. You know, where the king made his offer, hey, whoever takes out this nine-footer, whoever takes out this, this behemoth, whoever takes out Goliath, this champion of the Philistines, hey, you get the riches, you get the wife, you get, you know, and it's all tax-free. And so David, you know, inquiring, you know, this was the, is, is this in fact the offer of the king? And people are confirming, yep, yeah, that's the offer. An offer to entice. Perks, hey, you take out Goliath and you get some Perks. Now, I'm not saying that this offer of the king, this the, the perks offered by the king, I'm not saying that it had an effect on David. Because David's not asking, you know, like, hey, is this true? Because if this is true, you know, I want the, rich, the riches. If this is true, I want the wife. If this is true, you know, tax-free, same, sounds pretty nice. But it's more like David inquiring and asking, like, Is this for real? Is this for real? This behemoth? Yeah, he's a behemoth. I'll give him that. But he's defying Israel. And is this for real? I wonder what David's expectation of what to see on the battlefield. And he arrives on the scene, makes a stop off at supply. Gotta love the supply, guys. He goes to the forward edge. What? There's this disconnect. You know, I thought, you know, maybe the war would be over by now. Maybe the battle would be over by now. I thought it'd be over by now. But yet it hasn't even started. And it's not David asking like, hey, you know, you know, is is this true? Because, you know, hey, maybe I get the wife. Hey, maybe I get the riches. Hey, maybe I can be tax free. Oh, but David's just like, like, is this really happening? And in verse 30. And the people answered him as the first ones did. It's real, David. It's for real. In verse 31, now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. So now King Saul is aware and he sends for David. Verse 32, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. You know, about Goliath, you know, of the warriors of Israel. Let no man's heart fail because of this nine-footer, because of Goliath. And he says this, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. So David, he's not wondering about the battlefield now. He's not with his dad, Jesse. No, David, he sees the battlefield. He sees that the men of Israel are afraid And he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. And he says, King Saul, send me. Send me, King. Send me. I'll handle business with this nine-footer. Send me. And this isn't a pride thing. It's not David, you know, like, you know, "I'll, I'll teach him who's boss. No, this isn't pride. What it is, it's a formula thing. It's a formula thing. And what we're about to see here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, what we're about to see, it's effectuation of God's promises. And the king, in verse 33, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. Now, I want to say something to my younger brothers and sisters in Christ. You might be 17 years old, you might be 13, you might be 8, you might be 5. But let me tell you something. Let no one despise your youth. Let no one despise your youth. But also this. Let the holy formula be right in you. Let it be right. Let it be right in you. This holy formula, let it be right in you. And what King Saul is doing here, he's despising David's youth. You're just a kid. You're just a kid. You can't fight. And Goliath, you know, Goliath isn't a a, a librarian. No offense to librarians, you know. But Goliath, he's a man of war. He's been fighting since he was a kid. And his fighting skills have only gotten better. He says in verse 33, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. You're just a kid. And Goliath, the nine footer, the behemoth, he's a man of war from his youth. You can't fight. But then look what happens here in verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. You know what I love so much about these passages? Verse 34 and 35, You know, I love it so much. We didn't even know about this. We didn't even know about this. Nobody knew about it. I mean, David didn't write about it on social media. He wasn't taking selfies with a dead bear. He wasn't going on TikTok with the dead lion and the little lamb. You know, hashtag blessed. He wasn't doing that. We know nothing of it. Until now, I mean, verse 34 and 35, we knew nothing of it. Tending the flock of Jesse, his dad's flock, Testing, uh, attending to them, you know, just by himself, just by his lonesome, he and the flock, not a soul in sight. The bear comes, the lion comes, take the lambs. And what does David do? I mean, David could have been, well, it's just a lamb, you know, just one lamb, you know, we're not going to miss it. Oh, okay, another lamb, we're not going to miss it. Oh, just another lamb, no big deal. That's not with David, not on his watch. David goes and rescues the lamb. You see? Bear wants to get froggy. Okay, that's nice. Dead bear. Say goodnight, Mr. Bear. You see? Lion wants to get froggy. Okay, that's nice. Say goodnight, lion. You're dead. Not a soul in sight. No instas, no tiktoks. Not a soul in sight. And the eyes of the Lord saw it. The eyes of the Lord saw it. Remember Samuel the prophet last week? Where Samuel the prophet, he thought, surely it's Eliab. Surely it's the firstborn. He said, surely it's him. Who's going to be next? Who's going to be anointed of the Lord? And Samuel the prophet, surely it's Eliab. And the Lord says, hey, Samuel, don't look, don't see that way. The Lord... Who saw David with the bears and the lions. I mean, for for you and me, we're just discovering it right now. In verse 34, 35, what? Little David, this little kid, he killed lions. He killed bears. You and me, we're just discovering it right now. But the Lord, he knew about it. Not a soul in sight when David was doing that. Not a soul in sight. When David, you know, when the lamb was taken and David didn't say like, well, you know, just one lamb. No big deal. Oh, just You know, that, that was a mangy one anyways. No big deal. No, David goes out and runs after the bear. David goes out and runs after the lion. You see? And rescues the lamb. Bear wants to get froggy. Okay, dead bear. You see? And the Lord saw it. The eyes of the Lord. He saw it. He saw David with the bears, David with the lions. Tending the flock, caring for the flock, feeding the flock, protecting the flock, and rescuing the flock. And the Lord said to Samuel, remember Samuel, surely it's Eliab, surely it's the firstborn. Surely it's the biggest, surely it's the eldest. And the Lord says, no, Samuel, I look at the heart, Samuel. And you need to to see things like I do, Samuel. David, he's the one, anoint him. That little guy, see that little guy over there with the animals that were, you know, Jesse pointed him out. Hey, see my little son over there? Yeah, he's with the animals. And the Lord says, hey, Samuel, that's him. Anoint him. And for all of us, you and me together, for all of us, we must remember that the Lord, he looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. Male, female, young, old. I don't care. The Lord looks at the heart. And so look what David says here, verse 36. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. I love David so much. So beautiful. I meant straight up, you know, hey, king, send me. I'll, I'll take care. I'll handle it. And it's not a pride thing. It's formula. It's 100%. It's all about formula. And in David, it's right. And David here, he's straight up. He's ready to go out and get some to close with and destroy the enemy. Now, as a little disclaimer for my younger brothers and sisters in Christ, remember, this is Old Testament. This is Old Testament according to the flesh. According to the flesh. And we can look at David, and yes, to admire this beauty and this boldness of young David. But for you and me, with our rules of engagement of the new covenant, it is not according to the flesh. We still fight. We still have boldness. But at the same time, it's according to the Spirit. Very important to remember. According to the Spirit. I meant, thus far, here in chapter 17, thus far, who has spoken like David? Who has spoken like this among the the warriors of Israel? Who among them has spoken like this? Who among the captains has spoken like this? The king? No, they're afraid. 40 days. 40 days. And and not just, you know, at, at noontime, you know, morning and evening, you know multiple times in one day, and it's not just one day. It's one day, two day, three day, you know, first week, second week, 40 days. We're at the battlefield, but there's no battle. It's just a field. Well, the valley, but you know, the valley, the field. But no battle. We, it's It's a battlefield, but no battle. And no one has spoken like this except this young shepherd. He speaks differently. There's something different about him. In verse 37, moreover, David said, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now, if you've been walking with us for a while, do you remember our studies in the epistles? How we would make mention of a certain confidence afforded to the righteous. And it's not carnal. It's not confused. But it is absolutely afforded to those in whom the formula is right. I mean, have you ever heard people and they have a confidence in the Lord, but then something is off with the person, be it doctrine, be it behaviors, or maybe a combo. Maybe it's doctrine and behaviors. And they have a confidence in the Lord, but wait a second. Hey, that's off. You can say you have a confidence in the Lord, but hey, what's up with the crack? You can say you have a confidence in the Lord, but hey, what's up with the sex? What's up with the, the casino? Hey, you can say you have a confidence in the Lord, but hey, why are you going grave soaking? Why are you going on the gravesite to lay on the graves? These are things that Christians are partaking in. And you hear people, they have a confidence in the Lord, but something's off. Something's off. And the person says, well, the Bible says God will bless me in this and he will bless me in that. So, you know what? I have faith. I have faith that he's going to do exactly like he says. The Bible says it. So, you know what? I believe it and it applies to me. But you know that, wait a second, you know, this guy can say that, this lady can say that, but, eh, you know, she's doing the cracks, she's doing the casinos, you know, he's doing the alcohol and, you know, going to the strippers. And, you know, at the same time, they're laying on a gravestone, the, the grave sites, they're going grave soaking with, you know, their pastor. And then a couple months pass, maybe even years pass. And you remember, wow, this person says that God God will bless him. This person says that God will bless her. And at the time she said, oh, yeah, I have faith and God is going to do that. And at the time the guy said, oh, yeah, I have faith. And yeah, the Lord's going to do all that. And in the course of time, what happens? You see nothing but ruin. You see nothing but destruction. What in the world happened? What happened? Does that, does this mean that God's promises are ineffectual? Is the Bible a lie? Not at all. You know what the problem is? Wrong formula. Wrong formula. Don't get me wrong. Confidence in the Lord is absolutely a beautiful thing. But the formula in you and me, hey, it's got to be right. It's got to be right. And for David, this confidence in the Lord, it's nothing new. Because David said, the Lord who delivered me, past tense, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. These are things that happened in the past. And now these things that happened in the past, now they have an impact on the future in terms of David having this confidence in the Lord. And David says that the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. Remember our study in Deuteronomy 28? I mean, if you've been walking with us for a while, Deuteronomy 28, the blessings of obedience. There's absolutely a confidence that we can have in the Lord. And it's available to anyone, 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 anyone. It's available to anyone. But when we read the Bible, we see that it's afforded not to everyone, but only a remnant. Only a remnant. And that's sad. That's devastating. Because it's available for everybody. It's available for all the camp of Israel. You say, okay, well, you know, know, what about the Canaanites? What about the Moabites? What about the Jembezites? Yeah, what about them? Don't forget, in the law, there's, you know, statutes in the law for Gentiles to be grafted into the camp of Israel. Don't forget. This confidence that anybody can have in the Lord, it's available to anyone. And it's so sad because when you read the Bible, you start to see like, wait a second. It was available for Korah. You see? It was available for all these people. The priest, when they got crazy, it was available for the The priest. When they turned to idolatry, it was there for the it was there for Eli and the sons. Remember, Eli and his wicked sons, wicked Eli and his wicked sons. They were recipients of God's mercy. It was available for everybody. But then in the course of time we see that it is afforded to the remnant. In the judge's era, when the Lord becomes forgotten, we read the book of Judges, and there's 100% of the population, do they remember the Lord? Do they remember the Lord in according to how he wants to be remembered? According to how he wants to be worshipped? Because remember in our study a couple weeks ago how the King Saul, he was worshipping the Lord, but then we look at the, the next chapter, and we see... How the Lord is telling Samuel, hey, I, I've departed. I, I, I'm, I, I, I'm going to destroy him. I'm not with him. And it's like, wait a second. He's worshiping the Lord. Though How could the Lord not be with him? And then when we understand formula, we know why. You see? And so young David, he's saying to the king, hey, send me. Send me, I'll handle business with the Philistine. I'll handle business. You know, this guy that everybody's afraid of, you know, eh, I'll handle business. And it's not pride, but it's formula. Even the king says, hey, you're just a kid. You're too little. This guy's, you know, he's not a librarian. No offense to librarians. No, he's a man of war and he's been at the business of war. He's been handling business since he's a little kid. You can't fight against him. You're just a kid, David. And so David makes his case. Hey, lions, bears, the Lord delivered me from them. Bear wants to get froggy? Hey, I killed the bear. Lion wants to get froggy? Hey, I killed him. And so David's making his case. And we see at the end of verse 37 here, and Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And so Saul here in verse 38, so Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head. And also clothed them with the coat of mail. Verse 39, David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Now, I'm going to offer a little perspective here. Just a little bit. I'm going to offer a little perspective. When you are part of a group of warriors, straight up warriors, fighters, not like the TV shows, not like the movies, not like the video games. You're part of an elite group of warriors. There are echelons of leadership where you have, you know, team leaders, squad leader, platoon platoon leaders, commanders, and at the commander level, these are men that if they lead through hell, They lead through hell. Like, you know, gents, we're going to go fight through hell. You'll gladly follow them. You'll gladly follow. Like, if you die, so be it. You die with honor. And there's a specific culture among warfighters. These are killers. You see, they don't have these encounters to go beat up somebody. No way. They don't do that. No. These are men who kill. They are in the business of killing be it distance, close quarters, or hand-to-hand, they're killers. And these leadership structures are of great importance. And that's an understatement. You know, the leadership structure. Because there's missions at hand. There are, There's things to do, tasks at hand, missions that need to be accomplished. And leadership matters. And so in these verses here, For the fighting men of Israel, the warriors of Israel. Yeah, you know, let's put Goliath to the side for a moment. It's kind of hard to put the nine-footer to the side because he's a behemoth. But let's just put him to the side for the moment. These warriors of Israel, to see their leader, King Saul, to see him take off his gear of war, the armor, the helmet, The sword was Saul's too. You know, David, he didn't come with the sword. And for the warriors of Israel to see their leader, the fighting men, to see Saul transfer his armor and weapon to young David. This is huge. This is big. And it's difficult to explain. Very difficult to explain. Because warrior culture. It's obscure to a lot of people. And, you know, even within warrior culture, there's levels of extreme. You know, people say, oh, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I know the warrior culture. I know the warrior culture. But well, what do you do? Oh, I work supply. Okay, you, so you know warrior culture, but you work supply. I mean, no offense. And supply guys, very, very, very important. Supply guys, very important in battle. But the closer you get to the front lines of combat to close with and destroy the enemy, these are killers. These aren't, these aren't guys who go out, you know, and you know, fist fight here, fist fight there, you know, the guy, you know, wakes up in a couple hours. No, these are guys, they, they go through and people are dead. There's levels of extremes in the warrior culture. And for these warriors of Israel to see their leader, the king, King Saul. Give his armor and weapon to this kid. No offense to David, but he's young. But to see that, it's almost like a transfer of leadership. And maybe not yet a transfer of leadership because the warriors of Israel, there are unknowns about, you know, little David. There's there are unknowns about him. At this particular juncture, there are unknowns about him. But with a leader, with King Saul, it's like an abdication of leadership. Young David, he's never worn these things before. His body isn't acclimated to wearing the gear. You know, there's the weight, there's certain styles of movement, and these things need to be learned. And David just straight up says, hey, I can't even walk with these. So what does he do? He takes them off. I mean, for us to say that there's something different about David, that's a big understatement. I mean, thus far, little David, you know, his his, his older brother Eliab, you know, like he hears the voice, turns around, is that my little brother? David, what are you doing here? Who has spoken like this youth? Who has spoken like David? Where everybody is terrified of Goliath. And David's just straight up, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the army of the living God? Who is that guy? And then young David, he's been given the green light. He's been given the green light. King, I'm going to go handle business. Let me go handle business. You know, the king says, no, you're just a kid. David makes his case. Okay, green light. Go handle business. And then look at the preparations of David here in verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had and his sling was in his hand. I, I love this so much. It is so beautiful because young David, he's going to go fight the behemoth. He's going to go handle business with a nine footer. He was not a librarian. No offense to librarians. No, this is a man of war since he was a kid. He's going to go fight the nine footer. And That's an understatement. It Could be ten footer. He's gonna fight the behemoth that everybody is afraid of. Everybody is terrified of. You know, at, remember day one at the battlefield. You know, there's the expectation. You know, all of Israel, the warriors of Israel. Okay, we're gonna go handle business. Here we are on our mountain, Israel. We're gonna go handle business. Okay, is everybody ready to go? Yeah, we're ready to go. Okay, we're getting ready to handle business. There, you know, the, the Philistines over there. Okay, it's it's it, it's about to it's, it's about to be on. But then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. The footsteps of the behemoth, boom. You know, Goliath comes out and all of a sudden, sudden, the expectation of war, the expectation of combat, it shifts, it changes. And hey, do they got more of these guys? Because, you know, this, this is a big deal. And then, you know, two times a day, morning and evening. Day one, day two, day three, week one, week two, 40 days. That's how it went. No fighting, we're at the battlefield, but no fighting. But today is different. Why? Because now David's in town. Now David's here. You see? And David's been given the green light. You see? Look at his gear. I mean, look at he has his staff. Verse 40, you get the staff, you get the, the, the five smooth stones, you know, the, the shepherd's bag, the pouch, you know, the, the the sling. This is rather unconventional to say the least. And so verse 40, at the end, and he drew near to the Philistine. (laughs) I love this. This one of my favorite chapters. I love this so much. So beautiful to see. Oh, he's just a kid. Remember the king? Oh, he's just a kid. He's just a kid. Remember the brother, the older brother? Oh, you know, is that my little brother? What are you doing here? Again, to my younger brothers, to my younger sisters, let nobody, let nobody despise your youth because look at youthful David been given the green light. He's about to handle business. You see so beautiful, so beautiful. Remember a little disclaimer for my younger brothers and sisters rules of engagement of the old covenant for you and me, it's rules of engagement of the new covenant, you know, kind of like with my sisters in Christ, you know, where we look at beautiful, beautiful Yael, remember her in the tent peg, but you know, according to those old, old, old covenant rules of engagement for my sisters in Christ. For my, uh, you know, according to the new covenant, my sisters in Christ, hey, we don't fight in the old covenant rules of engagement. So, no tent pegs. You see, so a little disclaimer for, you know, women and children, a little disclaimer, you know, no, you know, we don't fight like Yael and we don't fight like David in the manner of the flesh. But we do fight absolutely in similar matter, manner, but according to the spirit. You see? Very, no more tent pegs. No tent pegs. See. And in verse 41. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David and the man who bore the shield went before him and the Philistine looked about and saw David. He disdained, and and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. Now, David was young, only a youth, but ruddy ruddy and good-looking, remember, from the Hebrew, when we looked at this last week, he had a nice countenance to him. It was good. He had this beautiful countenance to him. I mean, you know, when you look at seasoned warriors, I mean, you know, people who, you know, like you go to the VA hospital and you look at these guys, you know, they have a certain countenance to them. Some of them, you know, hey, you know, you got to be careful with because, you know, they were killers and they fought valiantly in combat, but then they get to the homeland and they still have a certain mentality. Very difficult. One of the, very difficult for these war fighters to be, to come back into the civilian world. Very difficult. Very, very difficult. And these are men and women of war. I mean, sometimes you see like the, 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 the female fighter pilots, I mean, you know, helicopter pilots, you know, and they handle some serious business, you know, the guys on the ground, they, they get on the radio and make the call and then boom, you know, the destruction, large scale destruction, destruction, but these war fighters, they have a certain countenance to them, a battle hardening. But with David, that's not David. David, David, you know, he's just a youth, ruddy and good looking. So he had this beautiful countenance to him. He he doesn't look, he's not like the the battle-hardened guy. And so, you know, David, you know, he doesn't have that thousand yard stare. He doesn't have that. And the nine-footer, this champion of the Philistines, after 40 days, mornings and evenings, finally, he gets his opportunity to fight. But then when he comes out and he sees David, the nine-footer, he has scorn and disdain for what he sees. And we see in verse 43. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Remember, one hand, David has his staff, the other hand, he has a sling. And the Philistine, the behemoth, the nine-footer, and you know, understatement, could be ten-footer, a big guy. He sees it, Am I a dog? You you wanna fight me with sticks? Get the staff, you got the sling? You wanna fight me with sticks? And what does the Philistine do in verse 43? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. You see? And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, from the nine-first perspective, this champion of war, a prized fighter, this fight, it's going to be over in five seconds. It's going to be over in two seconds. Piece of cake. One little slash from the sword—it's not like a chop, chop. It's like one piece of cake for the knife for the big guy. It's gonna be over in seconds. And Israel sends out a kid. They send out a kid. And then David in verse forty-five. In verse forty-five. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin. Now, don't forget, these are serious weapons, very serious weapons, especially in the hands of a nine footer who's very skilled with these weapons, who has been, you know, learning war and perfecting the art of war since he himself was a kid. And so David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know. That the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And He will give you into our hands. Now, I doubt, I highly doubt that anyone has ever spoken to the nine footer like this. I doubt it, or you spoke like this and lived. And here we see young David. Young David. Just a kid. The king, you oh, you're just a kid. You can't fight. You're just a kid. His own dad, even Jesse, remember last week in chapter 16, his own dad, you know, here's all my sons. Here's all my sons. And Samuel had to like, you know, little, you know, little double take, you know, are, are you sure? Are you sure this is everybody? Well, I got my youngest. He's just, a, you know, the little runties over there and they see that little figure in the distance. Oh, that's him with the animals. Yep. That's him. Here on the battlefield, his brother Eliab, firstborn. Is that my little brother? What are you doing here? I know your pride. And David has a confidence in the Lord. And it's rightly placed in the Lord. Why? Because David has the right formula in his heart. Something the Lord. Remember with the bears and lions? We didn't know about that last week. We found out about it today. And, you know, David didn't, you know, he wasn't posting on TikTok. He wasn't posting on the the Insta. He wasn't doing any of that. He wasn't doing any of that. I mean, when it happened, all by his lonesome, just him and the sheep, him and the lambs. But the eyes of the Lord saw it and knew, hey, that's my guy. Just like we see all through the Bible. I'm with Deborah hey, that's my gal you see Jeff hey that's my guy his daughter hey that's my gal how be the woman with the mites remember the two mites from our study in mark hey that's my gal last week it just so happens on Sunday with the the oil the anointing oil for, for the, the Lord's burial hey that's my gal and from this day forward everyone is gonna uh, 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 to, to honor her and we just did that exactly fulfillment of what the lord said hey that's my guy hey that's my gal with david hey that's my guy know, yeah, he's a little young but you know the lord looks at the heart let no one despise your youth don't forget when Paul says to little Timmy, little Timothy, remember? When the Lord said when, when Paul says to Timothy, you know, fulfill the, the very th- f- fulfill this ministry. But what was prophesied about Timothy was when Timothy was a little kid. What was prophesied about Timothy was when little Timmy was a little kid. And his parents, you know, raising up little Timmy and then maxing out and saying, Hey, we've maxed out. Paul, can you take him under your wing? And Paul doesn't say, get out of here, you little runt. Paul doesn't say that. Paul says, yeah, let me take you under my wing. Circumcises little Timmy for the sake of the law? No. So that Paul, when he would go into synagogue, little Timmy would be right there. Because if 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 little Timmy wasn't circumcised, then what would happen? Or, or if, he, if, he, if he wasn't circumcised, he wouldn't be able to be with Paul. And Paul just straight up, hey, little Timmy, you're going to sit right next to me. And you're going to watch me handle business in synagogue. I'm going to go into the hornet's nest. And you're going to be right there, little Timmy. Is it a pride thing? No, not at all. What it is, it's a formula thing. And the parents helping little Timmy along in fulfilling the prophecy about little Timmy. You see, a future shepherd, a future pastor. And then the parents max out. And then what happens? Paul takes over training him in the ways of righteousness little Timmy, you're going to watch me handle business. We're going to go to the hornet's nest and you're going to watch me handle business. Not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Why? Because it's prophesied, little Timmy, you're going to be a shepherd. And to shepherd, you need to watch this. You need to see this because you're going to be doing it one day. You see? So beautiful how the Lord sees Just like the Lord says to Samuel the prophet, hey, don't look like the flesh. Don't have eyes like the flesh. And he says to Samuel the prophet, no, see like me. See like I see, I look at the heart. Little David, he's got the goods. I mean, you look at these little kids in the Bible, you know, little David, Jephthah's daughter. I wish I knew her name, but I can't wait to meet her. So beautiful. Beautiful. Again, for my younger brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't, you might be 15 years old, you might be five years old. But let nobody despise your youth. It's so beautiful to see these. Wow, look at this young kid. And you read the Bible, wow, look at, look at her go, look at, look at her run, look at the daughter of Jephthah, look at her run, look at little David, look at her run, look at him run. It's so beautiful to see, and these are things that we learn. And we can grow. It's like we let no one despise your youth. Remember what Jesus says? He says, Hey, you adults, you think you, you know, you, you, you adults, you think you know everything? No, you gotta be like the kids. Remember the disciples, hey, you know, send them away, Lord, send them away, the little kids. And the Lord says to them, Hey, you need to be like them. You need to be like the kids. The children. And so Paul, when you know, uh, 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 Timothy's parents, you know, hey, Paul, can you take them under your wing? Paul wasn't like, hey, get out of here. No, come on. Because Paul knows, Paul knows all about formula. Full package. Full package with the you know little cherry on top. So beautiful to see. And so David is anointed of the Lord. right formula. And he does have a confidence in the Lord, but it's rightly placed. It's not like Korah, where Korah had a confidence in the Lord as well. Korah had a confidence in the Lord. Because remember, Korah was like straight up, you know, why does Moses think that he's the only one that talks with the that can talk with the Lord and the Lord talks with him? Why does Moses think he's the only one? Now, is this anything, when we study the Bible, when we read the Bible, is this anything that Moses asked for? No, the formula is right in Moses. And that affords certain things when the formula is right. Where even the siblings of Moses, where the Lord says to them, Hey, I speak to, you know, I have prophets, yes, but with Moses, I speak to him as a friend. Very important to understand. Friends of God, requires a very specific and very holy formula. And what David, while anointed, what he says is something that the people and the religious leaders in the era of Jesus and his earthly ministry, they forgot. The religious establishment, remember our study in the book of Mark on Sundays, they forgot Where we see in verse 37 or 47, the Lord does not save with sword and spear. You see? The Lord does not save with sword and spear. So remember, you know, in, in, he, he's riding on the colt. Remember Jesus? We're studying in the, in the book of Mark and they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. Because what the people were expecting was that Israel would be restored and Israel would no longer be under the thumb of Rome. And Israel would be restored in her, in, in you know, the, 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 the inheritance we see under Joshua. That's what they thought would happen. And the religious establishment, as a result of their defunctness, as a result of their blindness, they could not discern the times because they forgot that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. And even still today. Even still today, 2023 AD, restoration will absolutely, absolutely will come to Israel. But salvation is first. And the Lord does not save with sword and spear. And so how is this reconciled? How is this reconciled? If the Lord doesn't save with sword and spear, I'll give you the answer. Belief. Straight up, belief, faith in the son of David, son of man, and son of God. And there's only one way. There's only one way where it all fits perfectly. Where it all fits perfectly. The law, the prophets, the gospels, the epistles. There's only one way where it all fits perfectly. And it's Jesus. Straight up. And if you're listening, if you're listening and you want this salvation that we speak of, hey, I'll tell you what to do. You know, you hit pause. You listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. You commit your life to Christ right here, right now. You come back, you listen, and we continue in our journey. We continue in our study together. You say, wait a second. Is it that easy? I'll give you the answer. Yes. Yes. Remember, the Lord is the one who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, follow. He doesn't say, follow me and you got to pass this calculus exam. He doesn't say that. Follow me and you got to get at least 95% on the SAT. He doesn't say that. But he does say, if you follow me, obey me. And that's what we do. And if you're listening, you're not a believer, hey, let those days be over. Be unbelieving no more. And for you, you hit pause, you listen to the message how to come in your life to Christ. It really is that easy. Really is. You say, well, I went to this church before and you know the pastor wanted me to write this you know five page report, so he wanted to make sure I understood what I was doing. Listen, that guy's a fool. That guy's a fool. Nowhere in the Bible do you see that. Where in the Bible do you see it hey, come to Jesus, you gotta write write a five page report? Where do you see that? You don't see it in the Bible. So why do we see it today? Exactly my point. Why do we see it today? These are fools. These are fools. You see, pastors, you you want to come to Christ? Okay, let me counsel you. Let me counsel you for a couple weeks because we just want to make sure you know what you're getting into. Listen, anybody who comes to Christ, like with Peter. With Peter, the Lord says, you know, follow me. And Peter followed the Lord. And, you know, Peter has his ups and downs. You know, praise be to the Lord, but Peter has his ups and downs. And the Lord says to Peter, follow me. But from the very get-go, from the very beginning, that very first day when the paths of the Lord and Peter crossed and the Lord says, Peter, follow me. What he didn't say to Peter is, Peter, you're going to die. He didn't tell Peter the manner in which he would die. Eventually, he would tell him. But not at the very get-go. Peter himself didn't know what he was getting into. You have pastors today. Well, we want you to write this five. You know, I'm going to counsel you for a couple weeks, you know, and I want you to write this five-page report because I want you to know what you're getting into. We want you to know what you're getting into so that you can understand salvation. And then you got to memorize these catechisms. What do you see that in the Bible? You don't see it. You ask a pastor, hey, Pastor, so you know, if you don't see it in the Bible, why are you doing it? Well, we just want you to know that you what, what you're getting into. Peter didn't even know what he was getting into. You see? Paul didn't even know what he was getting. He didn't know he was gonna be called to the Gentiles. Paul didn't even know. So why are you, oh man, going against what the Bible says, oh pastor? You see? So if you're listening and you have these objections, and I receive these objections all the time. You want me to come to Christ and you make it sound like it's so easy. What's so so difficult about faith? What's so hard about faith? People have faith in all kinds of different things but to redirect your faith from the things of the world, to redirect your th- your faith from government, to redirect your faith from science and belief systems and say, hey, this belief, it is going to Jesus and I believe in him as the son of the most high God. Because there's really only one way it all fits out. According to the law, according to the prophets, according to the gospels, according to the epistles, there's only one way it all fits. In the early days, the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, those religious leaders, the religious establishment, they had it easy. They had it super easy. Because everything that had to fit was, you know, just the the law and the prophets. That's it. And they still got it wrong. But for us today, the law, the prophets, the gospels, the epistles, the only way it fits is Jesus. That's the only way. And sometimes I have these conversations with atheists even, non-believers, but even with atheists. like, well, I've never heard it broken down like that before. Well, praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. Now that you know, okay, what's the next step? What are you going to do? And I'm telling you from my own experience as a former non-believer. That the Lord's way is the best way. So come on. You're a non-believer. Hey, those days were over. Hit pause. Listen to the message. How to commit your life to Christ. Commit your life to Christ. You come back. You listen. We grow together and we journey. Because we're straight up. We're going to paradise. That's where we're going. We're going to paradise. So non-believer. Okay. Hit pause. Listen to the message. You come back. You listen. And we journey together. And it's really that easy. It really is that easy. Oh, but this guy. Hey, hey, hey. Forget that guy. Forget that guy. He's a fool. Oh, but this pastor. Hey, forget that guy. Oh, but this lady. Hey, forget. Forget that lady. It really is that easy. Straight up. Point blank. It really is that easy. So let's get back to our study here. Chapter 17, 1 Samuel. Verse 48. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hastened and ran toward the and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. I'm so in love with David, because he's a youth. He's a youth. We know his gear list. You know, rather unorthodox in the ways of Adam. All the warriors, the captains, the king of Israel, Saul, they were afraid of the nine footer. They were afraid of the behemoth, Goliath, and they flee from him. And young David, eh. He gets the green light and he straight up runs to Goliath. We see in verse 48, David hastened and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. David, he's straight up running on the battlefield. He's not, you know, like, you know, like getting like a tactical position here, tactical position there. You know, he's not getting behind rock over here. You know, there's like the tacticality. No, David, he's just straight up running to Goliath in verse 49. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank in his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. One shot, one kill. Straight up, one shot, one kill. David had five stones and the very first one hit his target. One shot, one kill. Cracked his forehead. The nine-footer, the behemoth, struck him in the head. You see? Verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Remember, he didn't have a sword. King Saul tried to give give his sword to David, but David, he took it all off. And David fights in the name of the Lord of hosts. Verse 51, therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword. And drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And again, for my younger brothers and sisters in Christ, let no one despise your youth. But at the same time, remember the rules of engagement within the covenants. Because, you know, this is beautiful. what We're seeing here in the confidence of David and what he does on the battlefield. But we don't fight like this today. You know, the Lord, he does not save with sword and spear. But we do have sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And this is our weapon of war. So the nine footer, the big guy, the behemoth, this champion, this prized fighter, he's dead. No more. No more. Verse 52, now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sharaim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Now the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines. And verse 53, and they plundered their tents. And David, in verse 54, and David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. And now what happens, we see a picture of a rear element, a rear element. Because remember when David was running out to Goliath, straight up running out to where he wasn't going, you know, rock to rock and, you know, know, tactical formation here and, you know, tactical movements. That wasn't David. No, he, he was running to meet Goliath in combat. And David alone, David alone, little David, young David, you're just a kid, David. You're just a kid. And look at him run. David on the battlefield, officially at that moment, he became the tip of the spear. The tip of the spear, the forward edge. And that was not with King Saul. It was with David, who at the point of him running to Goliath, David just put off the armor of Saul. And so we see in verse 55, when Saul saw David going out against the Philistine. He said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As your soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, Inquire whose son this young man is. Very interesting what we see here because King Saul knew Jesse. Remember last week's study? He knew Jesse. Did he forget? And if so, Why did he forget? And King Saul, in his mind, we're going to see something. We're going to see a shift. Remember how he's been, you know, being tormented by these spirits. But at the same time, King Saul's mind, it begins to be consumed by jealousy. The king, King Saul, he's not the forward edge. He's not the tip of the spear. The king, he didn't run out to Goliath. The king, he didn't speak in the manner of David. You see? No, the king was making offers. Hey, you kill, you know, you get riches, you get tax-free, and you get my daughter. He was making these offers, making the perks. And look at David run. Look at David run out to the battlefield. Running out to the battlefield. He's at the battlefield running to Goliath. The very object that that Israel, the warriors of Israel, they were running away from him. And David is running to him. I love that. Little David, look at him go. In verse 57, then, as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. In verse 58, and Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? Whose son are you, young man? Now, remember what King David said to David before, or King Saul? Remember what King Saul said to David before? Where in verse 43, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth. You are, you're just a kid. You're a youth. You're just a kid. And this guy, this behemoth, this nine-footer, no, he's a man of war from his youth. You, you're just a kid. All the warriors were afraid of Goliath, the captains, and even King Saul. They were afraid of Goliath. And David is now in the presence of King Saul. And in his hand is the head of the one they feared. And Saul doesn't say, "A hey kid, a hey kid, whose son are you? No, King Saul doesn't say that. He says, whose son are you, young man? See, a little different now. A little different now. So David answered, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Already we see that the countenance of David, it's just different. I mean, these are things that the Lord knew. When the the Lord told Samuel the prophet, you know, hey, Samuel, don't look like, don't look at the flesh, don't look at the carnal, don't look like human, because, hey, you got to look like me. You gotta see things the way I see things, and I look at the heart. Samuel, you gotta be like that. And Samuel says, "Okay, okay." So it's not Eliab, you know, you know. And then he with 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 Jesse. You know, are, are you sure these are all your sons? Yeah, these are all my sons. Are you sure? Well, there's this little my youngest, my, my my baby boy. You know, see him over there? Yeah, he's tending the flock. Samuel says, "Okay, bring him over here. We're not gonna we're not gonna sacrifice and eat until he's here." And when he approaches, the Lord says, there he is. That's the one, anoint him. And we didn't know at the time. We just figured, okay, so the the Lord is against Saul, the king. And so there's going to be the next anointed. And we didn't know these things, but the Lord did. I mean, when David was anointed, we knew very little about David. When, when, When the Lord anointed David, we knew very little about him. He was a shepherd. That's good. Beautiful things. But now in chapter 17, we see like, whoa, this kid is different. And he's, you know, not to say he's just a kid, but he is just a kid. He's young. He's youthful. And his own brother, his own dad, the king, hey, you're just a kid. And the Lord sees the heart. Look at the heart of this kid. Look at the beautiful heart of this kid. The whole time, chapter 17, when the warriors, the big guys, the fighters, they're afraid of Goliath. Is David afraid? Where have you seen fear in David? Here in chapter 17, where have you seen the the fear like you see in Israel? The fear of the captains, the king and the warriors. And where they have fear of the behemoth, the nine-footer, where do you see that with David? I'll give you the answer. We don't. We don't. There's something different about him. You see? And so he answers, you know, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Meanwhile, he's carrying the the, the head of the behemoth. You see? He's different. He's different. And that's something for every believer to understand, you and me together. Something Moses urged the people, Paul urged the people about consecration. Consecration. You. You are different. You are set apart for the Lord. You are consecrated unto the Lord. You see, to the beautiful, beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days, consecrated unto the Lord. God bless you. I love you.